Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Nadelman Nonprofit News. I'm your host, David Nadelman. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode, because today we're talking to the co-founders of Uncrushed, who uh, started a nonprofit to help corporations and individuals deal with the strain of mental health challenges that are so rampant in our lives today. Uh, just a couple quick notes before we hop into the episode. We were hoping to do this all on video, but because of some technical challenges, we are going audio only today. So just apologize. Apologies for that. Secondly, I want to just make a quick note that if you are um, triggered by mental health stuff or addiction, this might be a good episode for you to skip. And lastly, myself and Tim Clark both work for Salesforce, but you're not representing Salesforce in any official capacity on this episode. These are our opinions only and our thoughts. So with that, let's go ahead and dive in. Let me know what you think of the episode. Uh, please comment, subscribe, and like if you enjoy the content. Have a good one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of the Nadelman Nonprofit News. On today's show, we're incredibly lucky to have not one, but two special guests joining us. Our guests today come from a really important nonprofit called Uncrushed, and they're working to transform the way mental health is perceived and treated in our society by ending stigmas and breaking discrimination that exists. I'm really excited to be diving into this specific topic, given all of the recent stories and research that shows that the entire world is really struggling with mental health challenges, which includes things like isolation, burnout, addiction, depression, anxiety, suicide, and more. And our guests today are the co-founders of Uncrushed, Tim Clark and Janelle Kronk who both have really powerful stories that led them to create Uncrushed. And today I want to talk to Tim and Janelle about their journeys to becoming nonprofit founders, learn a little bit about their success and challenges along the way, highlight the work their team is doing, and hopefully provide some insights on getting support or, get, or helping those folks who might be struggling in these times. So yeah, thank you both for being here. So I, you know, I highlighted Uncrushed uh, mission statement during the intro, but would one of you mind kind of filling in the gaps and just explaining your own words uh, what Uncrushed is? Yeah, Uncrushed uh, is a platform and community raising awareness of mental health. And we used to talk about ending the stigma associated with mental health or mental illness. Now we really talk about how do we uh, break discrimination uh, and, and there's a nuance there um, because we want to ensure that people are able to talk about themselves and bring their full selves to, to work or to being a mom or to being a dad, you know, not having to hide any aspects of this. And the reality is, is that a lot of conversations um, create discrimination. You know, if someone says that they're struggling with depression or, um, or postpartum depression or addiction or bipolar, um, all of a sudden it could generate these thoughts within that individual. And so what we try and do is create a space for people to share their experiences uh, around their journeys of, of mental health. And we do that through our website, through our podcast, as well as going into organizations and, and doing some training. Um, Janelle, I don't know anything you want to add on there. Well, I'm, I'm excited to share the story and how we all uh, got together. Um, really, you know, ultimately, my, yes, it, that was w very well said. I also think a, a lot of this has to do with two kinds of discrimination. It's, you know, external and also internal. There's a lot of folks that have internal shame and, you know, toxic feelings because they might have depression or because they have, it, it doesn't even matter, it could be a physical ailment and they just don't think they can produce in, in business and in business and development. Um, and being so scared to share that with somebody that you report to, you know? So really it's kind of a, a twofold. There's another part too, which I can certainly talk about later, kind of a bigger picture quest, or I can chime in now, which is the power of the employer and how important that can come into play with so many different aspects of what we try to do at Uncrushed. Oh, thank you both. That's a, that's a really good, thank you for setting the table there. Cause I think it's, it's helpful to kind of start at that level. So, you know, Janelle, to your point, if you, if you guys don't mind, maybe just talk a little bit about, um, you know, what, what did lead you um, to create this organization as a nonprofit? Um, and, and what sort of led up to that? <laughs> Tim, you want me to go first? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, so gosh, Tim, I think it's been like five years, maybe five years ago when we first met, maybe six. Um, 
Tim and I worked together. I actually worked for um, a group of uh, treatment centers. Um, I worked at the time for a really large behavioral health organization in a business development role. It was a little bit more, it sounds more fancy, but it's still a BDR role. It was uh, joint ventures and partnerships. Um, and I, I did have some therapists that I worked with that worked with some, you know, executives and stuff like that. And so I was working with Tim and, and you know, trying to get him into the appropriate, you know, just resources as far as, you know, where he would like to go, what he wants to do. And um, ultimately that happened. And, you know, I was really, really close with trying to make sure that everything was okay. And here's the reason why in the, in, in the, re in the recovery world, there's so many things that can happen when a patient is just trying to get better, <laughs> you know, um, whether it's financials, insurance, or family systems, there's so many things coming at them. And really the goal is for anybody to kind of be alone and really kind of focus on their recovery, whatever that might look like, and have those outside, you know, forces kind of shut down for a little bit. And um, that kind of leads into, you know, our, I think it was like our third or fourth week of working together when you were actually going to recovery. Tim, when um, we had an issue with insurance, and this was kind of an aha moment for me was, you know, before I always thought insurance dictated uh, what people can and cannot do until you have a, a really wonderful organization like the ones that you guys work for, who has a self-paid insurance plan. Um, you can make some significant changes. I, Tim, I, I don't know if we did with, with you, but I know that there's been some other really huge, huge wins with having the employer make phone calls, having the employer stand up for employees and changing the health insurance game completely for people who have access of care without, you know, questions of, well, can he stay for another three days or can, you know, you know, all the utilization review things that uh, I certainly don't want to do. Those people are saints, but um, yeah. And so then, you know, we were kind of off and doing our own thing. We kept in communication for some time. I've always been a huge advocate of, you know, helping others, it, you know, paying it forward. I've been through my own treatment experiences uh, a couple times. And, um, you know, Tim and I kind of went in contact and um, he was really working the recovery side, which I always admire when people are just consistent and building that muscle. And um, then he, he called me one day in my terrible British accent, but I have to do it, Timothy Clark. <laughs> He's all, I want you to come meet me at, you know, at headquarters. Um, I have this thing I want to do and it's called Uncrushed. And I was like, oh, okay. And I remember about three years before, four years before you mentioning to, that you wanted to start an advocacy group because of this very issue. And I was like, is he really gonna do this? You know, it's just, I was like, does he remember even saying that? Because it was so long and we didn't even talk about it. So I went to, you know, HQ in San Francisco and I met with him and he showed me some logos, which we changed. <laughs> and uh, he also, you know, I really liked where he was going because I feel like, uh, and Tim will agree with this, that, you know, sales, I, it doesn't even matter if you're fresh out of college. And honestly, it doesn't even matter if you're sales, but there is a lot of pressure for, for BDRs, you know, and with the tech industry and, you know, just running, 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 you know, 15, 20 hours a day, sometimes it's quite a bit. And um, so, you know, we started talking about ways that we can kind of make a difference. And it really became, um, it formed a nonprofit. It wasn't like we were like, we want a nonprofit. It was more of like, you know, how can we make people listen and reach out? And um, then he pulled in uh, Lindsay Boggs and uh, uh, another one too. And so the three of us really kind of took the bulls by the horn and started just kind of seeing what people needed and then ultimately having our underlying mission, which is always, you know, being vulnerable, whether it's breaking stigma or discrimination, it's always something that's internal and external and just making sure people know that they're not alone, you know, and it's been a fun ride. So I don't know if you want to uh, chime in. And, and Tim, yeah, like, I need yeah. to comment on how that British accent was good, bad. No. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I would say a five, a five, five, six, a high six. Um, Better. I, I, I can't do an American accent. It just it sounds like a Bali person, Bali girl accent. That's the best I can do. Um, yeah, I mean, at my, at my lowest point, so I, I've, I've shared openly, I've been at Salesforce since 2012. Uh, I spent 10 years in enterprise sales. And then uh, I lost my dad suddenly in 2013. And that led me to, along with other stuff in my childhood, led me to some very unhealthy coping mechanisms. Uh, particularly around drugs and alcohol. Uh, and so in the middle of 2017, when things were just finally getting so bad, I was at my darkest point 
And I couldn't comprehend that there was anyone else in the world having the same struggles as me. Could there possibly be another employee in the tech world who had a cocaine addiction? Now I know the answer to that. Uh, back then, though, I felt like I was the only person. And so to Janelle's point, even when I was trying to seek treatment for myself, I, I asked her, I said, why is no one talking about this? Why is there no one that I can go to to speak to? Um, and this this goes back to the stigmatization and discrimination. You know, we don't talk about this stuff. It's It's kind of all behind closed doors. And so... It was only at the point when I reached like a good place in my recovery um, where I reached to Janelle and Lindsay and said, we, we should create an organization around this. And we debated, you know, do we want to just set up a website uh, and, and not structure it as a company? Do we want to formalize it under a 501c3? Um, and then we, we launched uh, in the middle, I think May, 2019 or April, 2019. Um, and, and it's been so refreshing because I get to bring my authentic self to everything that I do. I'm very open about that. My role with the nonprofit at Salesforce, uh, in my social media channels. Um, and it's also operated as a support structure for each other as well. We have a, a team, an amazing team of 10 volunteers and, and six people on the board of directors and three people on the executive committee. And um, we support each other uh, as well as the other support that's out there. So, you know, it's it was a balance because I've definitely uh, sometimes lean on in terms of trying to save the world, um, but I really needed to to look after myself first. And and that's the journey that you know the three of us and the wider team have been on. You know, there's some days that are good and some days that are not good. And we're not perfect, um, and we don't have our you know, our health together all the time. Um, but I, I think that that's the beauty to, to Janelle's point of, you know, we're, we're a nonprofit that's vulnerable and we're just honest with people on, on how we're doing. Yeah. I love that. Thank you both for, for, for uh, kind of explaining that. And, you know, I think one of the, one of the things that I, I see a lot and especially um, sort of in our, in our industry is the idea of like image and your personal brand, which is a, which is a term that sometimes makes me almost want to puke a little bit in my mouth, but they are so important these days, right? Like, and, and I'm curious what gave you, what gave you guys the courage to kind of come out and share these stories, given that there is still discrimination and judgment that exists out there. Like what, what kind of pushed you forward to say, I don't, I don't care what people think. I want to tell my story. I think the first thing is we have, you know, we have people that contribute to Uncrush, and this is the community aspect of it. And for each person that contributes, we have a conversation with them and we say, are you sure you want to do this? Because we want to recognize, are they in a good place with their mental health? And are they aware of um, the, the potential for discrimination? Um, and I, I wanted to start out with there because one of the, rather, rather than with myself, because one of the big things for Janelle, me, and Lindsay is that the nonprofit is bigger than us. It's bigger than I, and it's always been we. And that, that's what I love about 501c3s is that there's no owner. Uh, or, or it's the state of, you know, for us, California, that's the owner. And so I really want to start out with the community. And, and we have that conversation with the community of individuals who share their stories. For us, or I guess for me, um, I, I was concerned, but my, my turning point was I did a, a Salesforce event uh, down at the University of Texas in Dallas, and I was presenting to like 150 sales students and uh, around Salesforce, and I felt like a fraud because they sent me all these nice messages saying like, you know, we love all the stuff you're doing, we want to work at Salesforce, and they could see this person in the shiny blue suit who looked like he had everything together because all I do is just post work stuff on LinkedIn and I wanted to open up and and say actually this is the reality and this is the reality for me that's always already you know kind of fairly progressed in my career and so I, I want to be open with you because I imagine in your early 20s or whatever age you are whatever stage you are in your career progression this could be hard and and so then there was some beauty that a couple of years later Janelle Lindsay and I actually got to go back to the University of Texas in Dallas and we got to speak about Uncrushed and we got to share our, our personal experiences. Um, 
Janelle, how, how about you? What what made you want to come forward? And I know you've written a number of pieces for Uncrushed and also on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and thank you for sharing, Tim. It's always good to hear the stories again. You know, um, I, I was working um, when I started really opening up about stuff. It was actually very similar to Tim. I think we're all kind of connected through some form of grief. Um, at least that kind of is like the, whoa, we all had something really significant happen. And then on to the hero, hero's journey where we, you know, collapse and fall and then redeem ourselves. But, um, you know, at the time I was working with this wonderful association that was kind of an elite law enforcement association. And let me tell you, trying to get law enforcement, especially like chiefs and stuff like that, um, to acknowledge trauma, depression without taking away every right that a police officer and their family member has is a daunting thing. And what I saw was that there were some really successful public speakers. I had to do a lot of public speaking back then that would share their trials and tribulations. And I could see nods in, in the, you know, in the crowd. And frankly, my eyes are really peeled back. I had no idea. I always associated complex trauma or PTSD with, with combat because my dad was um, a paramedic or he was, was a corpsman in, in Vietnam. So for the Marines. So um, I didn't realize what was happening on the street. And it really kind of fed this like need to really make a difference in that population because they're so tough to get into treatment and get some help. And um, so I just decided to, I, and this is what I always recommend to our volunteers and anybody that's interested in submitting anything is, you know, a lot of times it's important for us to share our stories because the story is where our heart is, right? I mean, that's really where it doesn't matter what you say. I mean, there's been so many people in, in the public eye that completely open up and people love that about them. However, when you open up for the first time, it's so important, at least for me, to I, I wrote it down. So for me, I, I just was processing my dad's grief, writing down some of the behaviors that I was doing. And you know, in the business in recovery, we always talk about hot penning. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can look at it later. And um, I actually published my first one before uh, Uncrushed on LinkedIn. And I got so many responses um, from law enforcement, firefighters, public safety, you name it. I mean, I got like 75 just comments and I have no idea how many likes, you know, and it was all because I was vulnerable. I mentioned I, I was unaware and that I understand now and that I'm here to help. You know, it has nothing to do with I don't have, a you know, a patch on me or anything like that. They got it, you know, and that I was able to even admit some of the things I did. Um, ultimately, coming together with Lindsay and Tim that story ended up changing and being more open because there were some things I skipped, you know, I didn't want like some things in my, the public eye to be shared with. And now it's like, you know, the more vulnerable I am, somebody's going to be like, Oh, I can talk to her later about that. You know? So totally. that, I think that's it for right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, vulnerability is like a, a real superpower, you know, one that's uh that's underused, but it's, it's, it's huge. Um, so thank you both for sharing and, and obviously bigger picture than just this podcast. Thank you for sharing, because I think I was mentioning to Janelle before we got started, Tim, that that's really how I, I, I reached out to you because I saw a, an episode of the podcast, um, uncrush.org that, um, where a coworker of mine, um, was on the show and was talking brutally, honestly, about the about the trials and tribulations, and so much of it resonated with me, you know. And it was like, wow, and just that feeling when you're like, I'm not alone, and there's somebody else going through these same things. That just gives like instant connection, and I think it's uh, is super powerful. So, so thank you both for that. Um, when we think about you know people who are having a hard time, law enforcement, people in sales, people in corporate America, no matter where you are, um, there is there is fear, right, about about opening up to a boss or a manager. Um, what what can you guys talk me to, to talk to me a little bit about like what how Uncrush thinks about that and um, some ways that people can maybe approach those conversations. Oh gosh, I mean my my soapbox on that is pretty big, so I'll try to tame myself a little bit. Um, you know there are it always comes down to good leaders and bad leaders it doesn't even matter if it's a manager or a c-level it just doesn't matter it's about caring for people and not just products it doesn't matter if it's a human life or if it's you know a gadget or something like that just take care of the people around you i have a great example just in my personal experience with a wonderful ceo when my dad was transitioning i just got a brand new job and he let me you know 
go out. He's like, you take all your time. He paid me. I was like, I was there for three days and he was paying me a full amount. And I took two and a half months off to, you know, help with my dad's funeral and all that stuff. And, um, he sent me flowers. He called and I didn't even know if he really knew who I was. He was in Tennessee. I'm in the Bay area. Um, that meant the world to me. I was so indebted to somebody that actually made a phone call and sent flowers and just gave me some grace to take care of my family and my, and you know, my father that I knew that there was something very different about that leadership versus other toxic leaderships where they're like, well, you know, you, you might as well just call your EAP and then, you know, I, we want you back here. We want, you know, some reports and when are you going to deliver when are you could deliver. And yeah, you know, a lot of people have experienced a lot of pain and it's okay to talk about it. It's the difference that those leaders can make that make a substantial, I mean, I'm telling you the, the uh, retention, employee retention rates when you're dedicated to, you know, your leaders, it's so hard to leave, you know, uh, versus a, a bad boss. You're just like looking for another job already. So um, there's a lot more to the employer side. And I think it has to do a lot with coaching as well and teaching people, you know, you don't know what till you don't know you know, and having those aha moments, even as a leader that might not be comfortable talking about these conversations, there's some simple things that they can do to, you know, deregulate it for themselves. They don't have to be so close, but also really help out that individual. So they're not feeling like they're being placed over and over again with different people in their organization, if that makes sense. Um, Tim, was that? Yeah, I, I think, uh, our whole goal, like we're not trying to be a rehab, we're not trying to be a treatment facility. Our whole goal is to connect people with resources. And so we look at that step that's involved in reaching out for support and, and kind of the, the stages of change. Um, there's, there's a stage where like, do I really have a problem? Do I really feel comfortable in reaching out for help? That's where we focus on. And that that is so in pre-COVID, Mental Health America said one in five people in the US experienced a mental illness. And 60% of those don't seek out treatment. Now the treatment market is a very established market, and there's a lot of for-profits and non-profits in that world. We're focused on that 60%. And so we're saying we will hold a space for people to share their stories. And then if you relate, please go to our resources on crush.org forward slash resources. And there's a whole long list of all available resources to you. And that could look like a therapist. It could look like a 12-step meeting. It could look like residential treatment. I think the other thing, uh, I'm doing a webinar next month, actually, which is called Four Lessons I Wish My Sales Manager Had Taught Me. Because there are so many people that are promoted from being an individual contributor to a, to a manager. And there's a lot of soft skills that are just not taught. And so uh, that's another thing that we, we do. And we, we've done events at Splash, Salesforce, Citrix, uh, where we go in and we, we talk about some of these conversations. And so if you're a manager listening to this, I would, I would just say probably the, the one example that comes to mind is when you ask someone how they're doing, ask them twice. Don't just ask them once. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how are you doing? How are you really doing? Because it's so easy just to respond with like, yeah, I'm okay. And then you move on. Uh, another one is like implementing a traffic light system. Like, how are you feeling this week? Red, amber, green? Okay, you feel amber? Let's talk about that. Where can I support you? And, um, you know, I recently moved to a new manager and she asked me how I was. And we spent the whole one-to-one -one talking about how I was doing. And I told her afterwards, like, I felt seen. I felt heard. I felt supported. I didn't need to go into all the different details. Um, that, that, was, that was really empowering for me. I think a lot of folks that are very nervous about even just talking to an employee, you know, somebody that obviously is not, um, you know, holding their standard of their goals. And, you know, we automatically think it's a performance issue. And, you know, what is performance? It means that they're not happy. They're not healthy. Like it's pre pretty basic. You know, you don't have to be, you know, you know, lovey dovey, huggy and stuff like that. But what happens is if you just do simple little things like, you know, before COVID, we used to recommend walk and talks, getting out of the office so people can just talk and walk together. So they're peer to peer instead of, you know, subordinate and stuff like that. Um, but ultimately, what you'll find is even with the tough leaders that just try it, it's like anything in life. Everything's so scary at first. You know, I'm going skydiving tomorrow. Holy moly. I'm so scared, by the way. <laughs> But I can't wait to do it either. Um, but seriously, like once they do it once, it becomes both a selfish because they have to figure out what's going on with the employee and a selfless act. And it becomes so 
I hate to say the word addictive, but it, it's very, um, there's no greater high than helping anybody, even at a very small level, like, hey, my boyfriend dumped me and I'm heartbroken. You know, that can be detrimental to people. <laughs> That's very bad, you know? So, and just building those bonds, next thing you know, performance is up and all that. So I just wanted to share that just because I get calls from, you know, really tough leaders sometimes and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so good. I'm all welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> totally. Anyway. And good yeah. luck with the skydiving because that's uh, that's exciting. So <laughs> uh, maybe it won't happen. Okay. Um, well, you know, I think I think providing that space, right, and having that sort of human touch, uh, it makes a huge difference when you show up every day and you go to work, and especially in high-stress jobs, um, just knowing that there is someone because uh, I think a lot of times our, our coworkers are great at that, right? Like the people on our same level, but then there's this weird thing. The minute somebody's one step above us on the org chart where it feels a little bit different um, to, to, to open up to those folks. So yeah, I think, I think providing the space is really important. So, so thank you for that. Um, and now as you both um, can probably guess by the name of my show, the Nadelman nonprofit news, I'm not only maybe an egomaniac, but more importantly, in love with the nonprofit sector. So it's, if it's okay with both of you, can we kind of just talk shop a little bit about, about your nonprofit uh, itself? Yeah. Okay, yeah. awesome. So you mentioned a couple different things, right? Website, podcast, you guys are producing content, allowing people to share information. Um, and then there's also this um, speaking and working with companies. Can you kind of tell me what the pillars of your programming are? Like what, if, I, if you had to boil it down, like what is it that you are actually doing um, every day at, at Uncrushed? Yeah, so I would, um, I would bucket it into four different areas. Uh, one is the content, and that could be written content, audio content, video content, our commitment to our, to our audience or community is that we put out at least one piece of uh, original content per week. Uh, and we spend a lot of time ensuring that it's of, of a high quality uh, and that cadence is really important. Bucket two is events and training. And this is, you know, what we've obviously transitioned in, in, the, in the world of COVID to, to virtual training. And really where we do that, what we do there is we focus on people that, um, organizational leaders whose choices impact the largest populations. So normally we would work with HR or wellness departments uh, and then get the different business units involved. Mm -hmm. um, three we, is then the connection aspect. And so this is really where uh, our resources come in and our social media comes in. And so looking at making sure we've got a presence across all the social media platforms, even through to some of the more recent ones like Clubhouse. Over the last few weeks, we've been running a uh, a drop-in uh, for people uh, to to connect and, and support each other. And then finally, and this is probably a good pivot to Janelle, um, is, is around partnerships. You know, we, we don't try and do this alone. And there's so many other great nonprofits in the mental health arena. And, and so, I mean, Janelle wears many hats, but partnerships is, is one of the, uh, one of the hats that you wear. Yes. Um, I'm just going to say one little thing too, just about like, uh, as far as, you know, pre-COVID, and actually we were just, we were doing a lot of global webinars anyway, um, not a lot, but you know, significant companies, I should say. And one of the things too, that we also provide, obviously our human vulnerable touch, right? And then also, you know, we, I see a lot of folks that put all these daunting statistics and all these sad stories. And I always am walking out saying, okay, now what? I've got all this stuff. What do I do with it? So a lot of the bulk of what we do as far as presentations is, Okay, so now what? How how to right? So we have a leadership a leadership board on making very simple, like you said, simple you know suggestions that aren't very uncomfortable, and then a peer one as well. And you know, just seeking advice, like you know, personal board of directors, which is just finding folks that you trust to kind of lean on. So um, I think that's just important to say, just because it really does kind of you know everybody's nodding and everybody's like, wow, writing things down because it's just simple things that we forget. Um, the partnerships. They're very different. Each one is different, just like in any other business. I'm sure it's, you know, every single partnership is really, and I love this part. It's probably why I love nonprofit and startup is it's literally a startup every time that you build and develop relationships um, based off of their need, uh, whether it's, you know, a huge organization or a small, sometimes they want human resources involved and in having a segment in there, which is great. Oh my gosh, do we encourage that? Because that means that they're, they're in it to win it, right? And then sometimes they don't, sometimes they want just certain people there and, and that's okay too, as long as we have the voice, but we have to tailor make to each, you know, each individual business 
and making sure that we're touching all the aspects of what they're doing for wellness now more than ever with COVID, because there are a lot of organizations that are finally accepting this and taking this on. So, you know, as far as like the business part, you know, I don't know if you want me to talk about MOUs or anything like that, but you know, uh, I'm happy to, you guys like to give you my contact too, but you know, it's, there's some basic forms that basically kind of give you that, um, concept of, you know, having a, a, a partnership that both of you guys can back out at will. Um, there are legal documentations, but you don't need a, a lawyer to have them. Um, they're very, they're very great. I think they're also great because they look very professional, which I love. Um, I would do everything on a handshake, but I've been burned many times, you know, so, you know, laying out those expectations and what they want. And, you know, ultimately, I think most people that want to become a partner, you know, we've been very, very mindful about who we choose um, as far as partnerships, because the last thing we want to do is look like we're trying to, you know, shake a hand with another organization that might benefit from what we're trying to do. That's not our intention. It's more of a collaboration. And what we find out is like, gosh, Headspace is a great example. And Alex, after we spoke to Alex from Headspace, she wanted to sign on and become a volunteer with us. So it's about building that that network ultimately and having the right documentation. And you know what, if you don't out there, <laughs> chances are the organization you're talking to does. So you can always ask them for the, the proper paperwork that makes it safe for both of you. And we, we have so many ideas that come up from our volunteers. And this is why we, we always go back to our mission statement. You know, does it achieve our goal of content? Does it achieve our goal of events and training? Does it achieve our goal of connect and support? Or does it fit under our partnerships? um you know focus has been really really critical for us and sometimes we've got that right and sometimes we we haven't yeah and i, I was going to ask about that and like maybe kind of back to the partnerships is that you know you, you mentioned sort of getting up off the ground officially in 2019 and when i was on your website i noticed partnerships with some pretty lofty organizations in the space right like um really nice organizations that you've formed these partnerships with. And I think that's really hard for early stage nonprofits, right? Because they go, well, you don't have a track record or you don't have a big staff or what have you. How are you able to actually form partnerships with these organizations based, you know, it, it, given that you are still a startup? You want me to go, Tim? Sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, I can only kind of, there, there's been opportunity that's been brought to me. And here's a couple of things too, with a startup nonprofit is, you know, thank goodness for Tim, because I am not a structured individual. He will tell you that. <laughs> Good Lord. I can't, if I write a blog, it has to be edited like 10 times. It's really bad. Um, but I'm really good at making connection and really finding what out what people want to make them happy and ultimately make everybody happy. That's kind of what I do. Um, there's been times where things have been like, you know, we received information and we've got, you know, folks that don't understand structure just like myself. And now I know the importance of making sure that eyes are on, you know, making sure that those partnerships are kind of somewhat consistent as far as what we have behind the scenes in our trackers and our Google sheets and all that fun stuff. Um, you know, and second off, I think that, um, for me, I always have always in, in any business development, I came from Xerox and then I was pharma and all that fun stuff. But, um, I always ask the people, who do I know who I should know? my friends, my, my, you know, counterparts in previous employment, I've never kind of, I've never left an organization and not had continued communication and relationships with people. I know how important that is. Um, gosh, I even reached out to my old, you know, Xerox boss, you know, about five years ago, asking him for something. And he's like, wow, good to hear from you, Janelle, you know, and just asking, who do you know who I should know? Great at networking events too. Um, and then having them make those introductions because it's one thing for you to do it, you sound like a cold call, but actually if they do the warm intro and you could send something like that, it's fantastic. Because then you already kind of have that seal, but you're not, you know, this big, robust nonprofit, you know? Um, and most people, and at least in mental, the mental health space, especially now, I think are willing to listen. You know, they're willing to listen. Why wouldn't they? But maybe that's just my, uh, my ego. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? <laughs> So yeah, and that's really kind of how you form it, formulate. And I think all the content, content and information, and some of our volunteers are excellent sales coaches. And you know, there's just all different avenues that uh, we receive things. And it's just making sure to pick out the right ones, vetting them out appropriately, um, seeing why they, what their intentions are. You know, all that fun stuff. It doesn't really matter if it's mental health or not. That's a great hope, answer. Hopefully, that answered it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, Great. So what, you know, when we think about, um, and Tim, maybe you can, you can answer this one here. You know, 
When I think of nonprofit founders, not that many of them are salespeople, right? Like there are some, but I think they're not, there's not, that's not the dominant trend in, in people who start nonprofits. Have you found Tim any, um, any benefit from coming to sales and, and becoming a founder of a nonprofit? Like are those skills transferable? Well, I, my personal opinion is I think everyone's in sales, uh, in, in some regards. Um, and there's some stigma associated with the role of sales. And I, I have much love for salespeople. Um, I will reframe it as I brought a lot of skills from my, you know, sales days and marketing days over to Uncrushed. And I think both of both of which have helped. Also through working a 12-step program, I've also been able to bring a lot of lessons to that, to the organization. So right at the start, Janelle and I would figure like, okay, we don't want to have too much power in one person's hands. So how do we make all our decisions by a committee, by a group consensus? How do we have multiple levels of volunteers, the board of directors, the executive committee? Um, certainly some of my marketing skills have helped out a lot. I would say, you know, with the, I've never created a website before and now we have Uncrushed um, or, or a podcast. And, and then I think the sales skills, I guess would be just more my connection skills. You know, but what, what I would say is like, to your point, establishing such big partnerships you know, being able to go in and, and do these massive events or partnerships with those that you see on the website so early on, like I think that's really a testament to Janelle's experience and expertise. And and we spent a lot of time really thinking about, okay, who do we want on the team? And this is, uh, again, everyone is volunteer-based. We don't pay anyone. Um, but we've really thought about who do we want on the team because that that's the power of connection. Thank you, Tim. I'm going to say one little thing too. I think... Yeah, I guess that was a very good question, by the way. There aren't a lot of sales individuals at the C-levels of um, nonprofit, which is amazing. And a kind of a testimony to what Tim was saying, too, that all people are salespeople. You know, I'm a people's person. So, you know, when I think about somebody that is a leader in the people people kind of deal, you know, like just making relationships that are last longing. My uncle was the CEO and mainly the big owner of, of Dryer's Ice Cream, but he was on the commercials. He, you know, he was shaking everybody's hand. He knew everybody. And we went to DC and he saw a Dryer's truck or an Edie's truck in the East Coast. And he shook the driver's hand and the guy almost cried. It was just so cool how engaged he was. And I always looked up to him as the face of that organization, you know, and that was always what I wanted to do at any level that I was because, hey, I'm an extrovert. I, I love talking to people and I love falling on my face. It's okay. There's certain things I'm a little scared of falling on my face like tomorrow. But really, if, if they're not ready, I mean, how many times have we been rejected in our life? That's okay. You know, that's water off a duck's back. They will be, though. And that's the cool thing is you're planting the seed. So whether you're a salesperson or not, or if you don't associate as a, sale, a salesperson, you probably are. And just asking, you know, what they want. Always lead in with what they need and what they want. At least that works for me. I love that. I mean, I personally, you know, I'm uh, in a sales role myself. And I personally think that... Um, Boy, the nonprofit world could use a lot more sales folks. I mean, I just think there's a ton of skills that um, that folks from sales can bring over there. And I do agree about the stigma that, that goes along with that. So, you know, I guess we are getting towards the top of the hour. So I want to make sure that I get a couple of these other questions in. Um, what, uh, what, about, what about challenges? You mentioned um, focus being an area like, hey, it's tough when you're just starting out because there's all these cool things that we can go do. How do we focus on what is, is going to be the most impactful? What other challenges have you guys faced um, in, in starting this organization? I would say the difference between someone wanting to get involved and someone needing to get involved. And what I mean by that is sometimes, me included, I felt like I need to do this, like this is what's going to help my mental health. And unfortunately, like we see that appetite, but then if that person is struggling, they're not able to, to complete the kind of the responsibilities. And I I will put myself in that bucket as well. I'm certainly not above that. I've had my struggles still, even whilst Uncrush has existed, and which is where we come in and, and support each other. Um, so I, I think, you know, really doing a thorough assessment of any volunteers that we bring on board. The other thing is how to avoid bringing my, my work ethic, my professional expertise ethic into Uncrushed. And what I mean by that is that the biggest challenge I've had 
is how do we grow as an organization which involves completing projects and, and meeting deliverables when you're not paying anybody and when everyone is doing it as a side gig. That's really challenging. And so sometimes I've had to take my foot off the pedal uh, and, and look at how we structured the organization. You know, there, there are some things that I'm good at and some things that I'm not so good at. And that, that, that's still kind of my number one question. Like how, how do we grow when it's a, a part-time thing for the majority of people? I don't know, Janelle, if you want to add anything on those. I mean, yes, I think that's, I mean, the deliverables, right? And we've been through so many bumps. I, I don't know one organization that hasn't. Um, and like to that aspect too is really walking, you know, there's a lot of organizations that are in wellness and stuff, which behind the red curtain, they're not, <laughs> they're not well, <laughs> you know, they're actually really hardcore and, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's sad. But that's the reality of any business, whether it's nonprofit or not. But also giving the grace for people, I think, is, is hard sometimes when you have the momentum, you're ready to move forward. And then you get a call. I certainly have called Tim. I've called Lindsay. I've called my group before. And I'm not in a place to be working on this. And I have to literally say I'm not doing well. I'm having a personal, you know, something personal going on or even open up more, which I typically do. Um, and allowing people to understand that that's okay and they can do it too when we still have, you know, things that we have to deliver. So, you know, it's really walking that walk at the same time, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I think also just having a complimentary uh, co-founders or just allies in your, in your organization are, are awesome. Like if we had three Tims, I don't know what we could do. If we had three Janelles, good Lord, this place would be, <laughs> we would not be alive, but we really complement each other. And same with Lindsay too. We complement each other and we seek advice on personal and professional advice, even with talking to volunteers or even with each other, you know, and the way I see things is totally different than the way Tim thinks these things. So we lean on that. It's really powerful. I mean, it takes a lot to get there. It becomes so, it's really cool. So I think that's just the fuel that kind of, now we're starting to get it. We're like the odd couple. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this. Um, you know, we, I mentioned uh, a couple times we both work at Salesforce. Tim, what technology are you using to run Uncrushed? How are you keeping track uh, of your volunteers and donors and partners? And how are you doing that? So we're really simple right now. And, you know, I will, I will say like our 501c3 is still pending. And so we haven't done a big push on the donation front. Uh, the majority of donations that we've received have either been from uh, from our volunteers, from friends and family of volunteers, or also for um, for services provided through our events and training that we do. Um, we've been building out a financial plan. I will come back to your question. We've been building out a financial plan for what we would do with money. You know, once once we get the five hundred one c three, and our, our whole focus there is on about getting our content to as many people as possible um, and, and all around reach. So, um, so in that regard, we haven't needed any technology for donation tracking. Like right now, we're using Google Google Suite uh, across our uh, across our company, and so um, we predominantly use uh, email for any uh, external collaboration. You know, with the different organizations that we work with and anyone that's contributing internally, we we have a variety of uh, Google groups. Um, you know, for social media content ideas, for uh, discussion around events, for discussion around uh, our, our monthly teams. Um, we use Zoom for our podcast recordings. Um, and then, you know, we have a variety of, of different uh, podcast platforms like Buzzsprout, YouTube, um, uh, and, and Apple and Spotify and stuff like that. Uh, our website is hosted on Squarespace. Um, and that, that's, that's been a really great platform for us. Janelle, what am I missing? Any, they're, they're the key ones, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think also, I mean, if I was new and listening to this, I think, gosh, thank goodness I can use G Suite. <laughs> um, that kind of, it, you know, as far as emails and everything, it captures everything, which is fantastic. Even presentation slide decks from organizations. It's just great. You know, as, as soon as you learn it, just like everything else. Um, and ultimately you can, you know, send messages to like management and, you know, if something is of a concern and management isn't like management where we think, oh gosh, we're getting in trouble, but it's a human check, you know, like, Hey, have you heard from X, Y, or Z? No, I haven't. Well, maybe we should, can you give them a call and see if, you know, if there's anything they need? 
and having that, you know, away from everybody else, making sure that everything's segmented. And, you know, if you read the the 501c3 regulations, you can pretty much make those tabs. Like there's a financial tab, <laughs> you know, like, and just keeping them up to date. That's where I lean on Tim because I don't keep things very up to date. But um, I think that's you pretty much hit it as far as all the, you know, all the resources that we have. Perfect. Yeah, it's, oh, sorry, it's a great point. Like we make sure that, uh, you know, there's some content that only the founders can see, some files mm -hmm. or secure files. We have uh, a, a technology lead, uh, Mark, who who runs all of the different technology and the, you know, the Google groups and the email groups. Uh, and then we have stuff that our volunteers can access and edit. Um, you know, our, we've done a lot of research on things like Salesforce, like Slack. Um, I would say the biggest thing we think about is is adoption by the end users. So again, these are volunteers who who are, have a full time job. Again, whether that's a professional job or, or being a mom or being a dad, um, they have something outside of Uncrushed. And so sometimes it's hard to get adoption into Google Chat or into Gmail. Um, you know, what email addresses do you add to Google Calendar? Do you use someone's Uncrushed email addresses or do you use someone's personal or work email address? So these are still some of the challenges that that we we think about, and uh, and I, right now like, we found a balance. You know, we say anything that is external, we use uncrushed. Any content or anything that's sensitive, we use uncrushed. For things like team meetings, we'll add your personal email address on there because we know that that's the way to get you onto the calendar. And that's you know just just kind of again one of our learning curves. Got it. And I would just say once that five hundred one c three comes through, I'm sure you know this, Tim, but. Um, you know, quick plug here, Salesforce does provide those 10 free licenses to all nonprofits out there. We got a lot of nice stuff. So check that out when that comes through. Um, I have one more question, um, just sort of big picture, which is how can people get involved? And then a couple like lightning round quick questions, if that's okay. So how can people get involved in Uncrushed? Go to uncrushed.org. Uh, everything is there on the website, whether it's a donation, whether it's sharing your experience, whether you want to volunteer. Uh, everything's on there and, and just follow us on the relevant social channels as well. Perfect. Uncrushed.org. Great website, by the way, if that's the first one you built, uh, it's, it's really, I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's good. Um, all right. Lightning round just, uh, to lighten it up a little bit before we get to the, the end here. So if you weren't running a nonprofit or in sales or doing, you know, Janelle, your full-time job, what would you be doing? Me? Oh gosh. Um, Oh, wow. I think I would be um, a, a professional fishing girl. I love fishing right now. I'm obsessed with it. It's stinky, but I love it. I want to get a sturgeon one day. Cool answer. <laughs> uh, Tim, what about you? What would you be doing? Uh, I, I would do on crush full time or I'd be a therapist. Um, my whole life mission, like what's truly in my core is to help other people and to, to share from my experience. That's nice. Um, all right. First album and first concert. Janelle, go first. Oh, I love this question. I got this one down. So I feel like I failed that fishing comment after Tim's. But anyway, um, so my first concert was uh, Jimmy Buffett. It wasn't my choice. I was on the shoulders of my dad, smell, smell pot for the first time. I was like, what's that smell? Um, and the, my my first choice was Kenny Loggins, which was my second. And there was the album. Was it first album? album wow. Yeah. It must be my age. People don't even know what albums are anymore. The first album that I remember getting and being excited about, because my dad had tons, tons of albums. He was a total music junkie, but he came to my school to show me was Michael Jackson's Thriller. That's a good one. That's a like, good one. Hey, like at noon and showed me, and I'd like showed all my friends. I was like, this is so cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I guess I aged myself there as well. Maybe I should say like, what's your first download? I mean, or your first stream? I don't know what that question would be for the new generation. Tim, what about you? First album, first concert? First album, I would say was Blink 182, Animal of the State. Um, first concert was a heavy metal goth band called Cradle of Filth. Nice. Cradle of Filth. All right, I'm going to have to check them out. Um, last <laughs> good piece of advice somebody gave you, either, ever, either Janelle or Tim. Last good piece of advice. Yeah, I mean, this is perfect. We were just on Clubhouse yesterday, and uh, I, I can't even tell you how cool that, that podcast is or Clubhouse is. But um, I think just knowing and hearing you're okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. That's just huge. It's huge sometimes just hearing that. Not a whole bunch of you need to, but you're yeah. going to be okay. What That's about good. you, Tim? Uh, I think I said this to you on the phone last night. Uh, mm -hmm. I was at a Tony Robbins conference recently, and he I have it on my wall. Life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. 
Mm -hmm. And that that helps. And I, I, a bonus one is, what if there's nothing wrong with you? What if things have happened to you, but there's nothing wrong with you? And that that's really helped transform whenever I go down certain spirals. Love it. Well, again, before we wrap up, I just wanted to uh, to reiterate that the way I uh, stumbled into uncrushed was by, by watching a podcast and, and on YouTube actually. And it was really powerful to me. And, you know, I was blown away just by the honesty and the vulnerability and the, and the amazing stories that, uh, that both Tim, you and the guests shared. And I remember Tim, you made a comment that if only one person gets help by listening to your story, then it's all worth it. And you should just know that it's definitely worth it because so many of those topics that were discussed are things that myself and I know other people are struggling with as well. And I just want to thank you both for sharing your stories um, and giving other people the space to do that and creating Uncrushed uh, as an organization. And I'm really pl- proud, uh, Tim, to have you as a coworker and to have you both on our show. And I think that what you're doing in the world is really commendable and your organization has made a difference in my life. And I'll always be grateful for that. And again, thank you so much. Folks, check out uncrushed.org. Lots of amazing content and resources for both people and companies. So thank you both very much. As always, keep up the good work and keep pushing forward. And we'll see you on Monday for another episode of the Nonprofit News Weekly Rundown. So thanks, Tim and Janelle for joining me.